Tazewell County's plans for a new Justice Center annex are up in the air after the city of Pekin moved to sell land the county wanted to a developer. You know, it's disappointing to see the lack of intergovernmental cooperation to facilitate on the major investment in downtown Pekin. Find out more about what happens next just ahead on All Things Peoria. Good afternoon, I'm Jody Holtz. Coming up, Tazewell County Administrator Mike Delury outlines the next steps for the county's downtown Pekin developments after last week's Pekin City Council meeting. And learn how one Peoria company is playing a key role in the development of Rivian's Amazon cargo vans. Their line was not optimized because they were stopping to assemble these units. Plus, WCBU's Colin Show provides an update on Illinois Central College's Cradle to Career initiative for Peoria's South Side. Those stories plus local news just ahead. This is WCBU's All Things Peoria on 89.9 FM and WCBU.org. Broadcasting from the campus of Bradley University, this is WCBU's news magazine, All Things Peoria. I'm Jody Holtz. Thanks for joining me on your Monday afternoon. The Beacon City Council voted against selling a parcel of downtown land to Tazewell County last week. That complicates the county's vision for a new Justice Center annex to relieve pressure on the current courthouse. Tim Shelley asked Tazewell County Administrator Mike Delury about what happens next. You know, it's disappointing to see the lack of intergovernmental cooperation to facilitate on the major investment in downtown Pekin that would have allowed us to better serve the citizens of Tazewell County. Uh, we certainly put considerable thought into the reason for choosing that location. It's a block that's adjacent to the Justice Center and the courthouse, and it's unfortunate that we won't be able to move forward as intended. Now it, it certainly puts uh, more options on the table that we'll start considering. One of those could be still pursuing the existing location. It would just uh, affect the scale of the building or how it is designed. And so we'll start having those discussions uh, this month with uh, the board and committee meetings. So the existing location, if I'm remembering correctly, you said at the Pekin City Council meeting that it was 24,000 square feet or 40,000 square feet with three felony courtrooms, correct? That is the, yeah, the current two plans that we're looking at. It would be moving a lot of the probation services and uh, public defender certain offices into one consolidated office for 24,000 square foot and then also looking at the criminal courtrooms and moving those into uh, the facility in order to meet current day security standards. And why is that such a priority for Tazewell County? Yeah, so it is a beautiful courthouse and we're um, putting money, investing into it to help keep it very beautiful and functional and plan on it will be continuing to use it uh, long into the future. The issue comes with the uh, couple items. The Courts with, uh, have expressed concern as far as the, the safety needs. There's uh, no secured hallway for them to travel. There's uh, the use of the same uh, public facilities uh, when uh, need be. And so uh, and there's also issues as far as having uh, the detainees in the courtroom and having the ability for them to change. And so the, the state AOIC 
has created standards on what a new courtroom should have. And so the request is, while we're looking at building this building, can we also include some courtrooms that would help meet those standards where there are some security concerns. It'd be a little less so with your civil cases, uh, but certainly there's the, the higher security risk when you're having criminal courts. And you had mentioned the county board this month will be discussing uh, kind of where to go from here. Uh, one option you'd said was to continue on the site of the current Tobin Arcade buildings, I would assume on a reduced scale. Um, what are some of the options, uh, other options going forward from here? That's what we'll start considering uh, this month, and so we, we haven't laid out any set options at this point. Uh, it'll be the discussion for this month. Does what happened at the Pekin City Council meeting with the land sale affect the plans for a new uh, health department satellite location? It does. We were planning on using an area that we currently use for uh, juror parking, and the intent was to move that closer to uh, the other side of the campus with the new Justice Annex. With you know, not being able to potentially switch those services, that would affect where we'd be able to put the health department. So the primary goal has to be to move it within the population centers of the county, and so it would certainly open up uh, some other possibilities. And I think it's been mentioned that that property on Broadway that the health department was using for COVID services uh, back during the pandemic uh, is owned by Methodist and not currently available. Is the county looking for somewhere else uh, in Pekin, optimally? The We can certainly at this point consider several different options in Pekin being one of them. The main goal is to keep it in the population centers, which you know, would include uh, the East Peoria and Pekin line. And what are the deadlines for using uh, the ARPA funds that the county still has available? Um, what's the time frame for, for getting some kind of plan together for using that money? We do. We are, they need to be committed by the end of 2024 and then spent by the end of 2026. Yeah, so that's the way we do want to get a plan together. We've uh, been holding off for you know some time to figure out to see how the the parcel came about. Uh, now that we the council's made a decision, uh, we can move forward with a plan. So, do you think at this month's county board meeting we might learn more or at least start a discussion? I think at least in the committee level, we're going to start having uh, discussions, and then uh, you know that may carry forward to the board. But there'll be uh, some discussions at the committee level starting this month. That was Tazewell County Administrator Mike Delory speaking with WCBU's Tim Shelley about the status of the county's new developments in downtown Pekin. And just ahead here on ATP, an update on Illinois Central College's Cradle to Career program as it gears up to head to the 61605 zip code. That story in just a few minutes right here on All Things Peoria.
Thanks for choosing WCBU's All Things Peoria. I'm Jody Holtz. When electric automaker Rivian ran into a production bottleneck manufacturing 125,000 vans for e-commerce giant Amazon, they turned to a Peoria organization for help. Dan Letourneau is president of Peoria Production Solutions. He tells WCBU's Tim Shelley why this may be the beginning of a fruitful partnership. We have about 309 employees. 60% of those have some form of a disability. They're very high functioning, they're, they, but kind of the um, diversity of, of the, of the um, disability can be low vision, no vision, wheelchair bound, uh, on the autism spectrum, mental, physical, uh, developmental issues. Uh, all one of the great pipelines for employment that we have are special ed and co-op programs through high schools. And we're operated uh, like a not-for-profit. We're fully self-funded, so um, whereas a company next door like Epic, who I'm on their board, relies on fundraising, donor solicitation, state and federal money through grant writing, we, we do none of that. We have to run ourselves like a, like a for-profit business. However, because we're not-for-profit and our focus is jobs, not profit, we're able to go to customers and be much more competitive than our, than our competitors. Someone like SC2 um, or other packaging companies that are for-profit, nothing against them, but they're going to price jobs at 30 40% margin. We typically uh, would do it for single-digit uh, margin points or even break-even if it means we can create several jobs. And we're doing a job currently for Liberty Steel in Bartonville where we're breaking even, but we're creating eight jobs. And you mentioned also uh, Rivian. You've got three to four people working on a project for them right now. How'd that come about? They were looking in the area for somebody to do some assembly um, and packaging of their Amazon cargo vans. They, they currently have an order for 125,000 uh, electric vehicles with the Amazon delivery vans. As you know, Amazon and Jeff Bezos are big uh, investors in them, and they have a, a, a huge order, 125,000 vans, which... Um, Every van has a uh, cargo cooling assembly, and Rivian found out that they were, their line was not optimized because they were stopping to assemble these units, which took about 12 or 13 minutes apiece. So they looked on the outside. We weren't the only company they looked at, um, but they, we were the only company that would do what they call a directed buy, which is very common. We do it for Caterpillar. We do it for Komatsu where they direct us where to buy these three or four components that we're assembling for these cargo uh, assemblies. So um, they told us who they're buying from, the price they're buying from, and we go ahead and buy it and then supply them uh, with a kind of a full cost based on the components and our, and our labor and our, our small margin in that. This solved the choke point for them. Uh, it helped bring that installation time down from 13, 14 minutes. Yeah, to where they can, yeah, where they can just then grab it out of a box and it's more like 45 seconds to install it. Whereas before they were spending, you know, almost 15 minutes with the installation of it. Um, uh, we were fortunate enough to be uh, invited to a supplier uh, event out there in, out in normal in November and we got to do a catwalk tour and we got to see the section of the line, uh, one, the two lines, one is uh, one set up to do their two vehicles and the other one is doing nothing but Amazon vans. We were able to see these fans being taken out of the box and put in and installed very quickly. So, you know, it, it clearly it's an advantage if, um, from the standpoint of 
you know, let us do what we do well and let us set you up for success and let them just focus on what they do. And they've come to us with other projects as well with a similar mindset, uh, something called a Degas bottle, like D-E-G-A-S, which is, looks like, like a, a radiator overflow device with a couple of hoses on it that they're assembling machine side and then installing into the vehicle. So we've quoted that, we've quoted a couple other opportunities. So I suspect that over time, Rivian's gonna grow to be a you know very significant uh, customer of ours. Now Caterpillar is obviously, we're in Peoria, so Caterpillar's more than half our business and will likely always be, uh, but it doesn't help to, or it doesn't hurt, I should say, to diversify ourselves and just have other uh, large EOMs in the area to, to work with. That was Peoria Production Solutions President Dan Letourneau speaking to Tim Shelley about their work with electric automaker Rivian. You are listening to All Things Peoria. This is 89.9 FM and WCBU.org. You're listening to All Things Peoria. I'm Jody Holtz. Later this month, Illinois Central College's Cradle to Career program sends surveyors into the 61605 zip code to find out what Peoria's families need. WCBU's Colin Shope spoke with initiative manager Teresa Kaler and family resource navigator and surveyor Justice Hobson to learn more. We have four people that will be doing the survey. At this point, we know of about 800 families in the area. That's just Peoria Public Schools, so I know there will be others that aren't part of the school system. Either the children are too young or they go to one of the private schools in the area, and we'll be reaching out to those schools as well. Just for starters, Teresa, if you wouldn't mind, for people who aren't familiar with the Cradle to Career initiative, could you just give us an idea of kind of uh, when it started and what it entails? Sure. We received a community-funded grant from the federal government with the help of Sherry Bustos to get $500,000 to jumpstart the Cradle to Career program. And what that entails is we are working in the 61605 zip code, one of the most distressed zip codes in the country. And what we are doing is conducting a community needs assessment. So we are having conversations with people about housing, health care, employment, and workforce development. And the biggest thing is education. That's why it's called Cradle to Career. So this needs assessment, we want to know from the residents, specifically the families in the area, what their needs are. Sometimes I think we think we know what those needs are, but we want to hear from them and have conversations with them about their needs. You're taking an approach to this that's kind of uh, centering the relationships first, um, because it can be a little intimidating when someone shows up at your your front door with an iPad or a clipboard or whatever, right? Correct. We will have iPads, but they'll be what we use. We do want it to be more of a conversation than a, here, fill this out. We want to get to know people and, and figure out what their needs are. And uh, Justice, as one of the people who will be, you know, kind of helping conduct this survey, right? Uh, how are you approaching this? Yes. Yeah, so I, my approach is making the conversation relatable. Um, I, I want them to feel comfortable sharing that information, sharing what their needs are, and actually getting to the root of that, as well as making them feel like 
the work that we're doing is profitable to them. Like they can benefit off of answering this information. Will you be helping put these people in touch with the resources they may need? Or is that kind of the next step after you have all this data? Um, that's the next step after the data that we receive from them. But we are doing a lot right now to create that relationship as far as like our programs that we plan to or events that we plan to do. What are some of the ways you build a relationship, kind of a, a, a foundation of trust to operate from? Meeting them where they are um, and having a high level of respect for the way that they navigate their lives. Um, you know, with this survey, we're asking them questions about their living and how are they getting to and from work. And I feel like it takes a lot of courage to be honest like that so you can receive the type of needs that you need in order to be successful. Speaking with nonprofits in the area, an issue that comes up sometimes is um, getting people to buy into any sort of organizational assistance when, you know, organizations or the local government may have failed them before. Mm -hmm. How are you approaching that sort of uh, concern from people? I would definitely say leading with letting them know how they could benefit from answering these simple questions you know if they know that there is actually some type of plan and that they more so have more control over what would come out of it than they're used to as far as well I just filled out this survey I've filled out a million surveys and I never really saw anything you know we want them to feel like they are more so in control in what goes or goes on in their neighborhood in their surroundings as well as clearly stating, like, I have barriers with transportation. Okay, that gives us the opportunity to check that off and then come up with all these ideas on how we're going to be able to give them the things that they need. So, Teresa, what's the scope of this? Will it be covering the entire zip code or will it be taking a sample size of the zip code? Or how are you approaching kind of the methodology here? The program is specifically for families. So we're working with Peoria Public Schools to get information about the families. We're working with other organizations in the area, such as PCCEO Head Start, to um, do some events with them so we can reach those families. But yeah, the scope is the families within the 61605 area. What are some of the things you're expecting to see? What What are some of the needs that you feel are unmet that when you start hearing them in these interviews, they'll kind of uh, gel with the idea of what our needs are uh, as a community? I think one of the big needs is to provide more early childhood education. We have so many children that are starting kindergarten, garden, not having attended any kind of preschool or early childhood and when they do that, they're starting at a deficit. They're already starting behind. So that's unfortunate that they're starting school behind. So I'd like to see uh, more Head Start, more early childhood programs. The other thing that I'd like to see is currently there's no broadband Internet service in 61605. So we are going to – we'll do an inventory of – to see what kind of service people have and what kind of equipment they use. And then we hope to be able to work with some of the companies to get them to install the infrastructure for broadband so that we can get it there. I mean, there's so many things these days that you need internet, good internet for, such as applying for jobs or making an appointment with your doctor. 
Um, there's quite the digital divide in that area, so we, we want to work on closing that divide. How do you see this program kind of fitting into this wider and ongoing effort of violence prevention in Peoria and kind of addressing the needs that have been unmet? I think that the responses that we get from our survey will be able to create programs or incentives at the school maybe to be able to have those kids be in different environments doing other things even adults as well those families that um, need something else to do besides staying at home or um, being at work I feel as though the overall goal is to be able to provide them with other resources and programs to make sure that they're in different environments. You mentioned that uh, in order to sort of raise awareness for this, there's going to be a kickoff event. Would you tell me about the kickoff event? We are having a kickoff event on Thursday, March 23rd from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock at Annie Jo Gordon Community Learning Center. And that will be a celebration of us actually starting our surveys or our conversations with people. We're going to make it a family fun night. We'll have a bounce house for the kids. We'll have face painting. It'll be a, a family-friendly event. And we will start to have some conversations with people. We will also have some food there. And, again, it's for anybody who attends a school, anybody who's part of a family in 61605. And what date does uh, kind of boots on the ground start for this? Well, after our kickoff on March 23rd, we should be ready then to um, the following week be out in the community, given the weather, of course. But we will be going door to door, and we encourage people to answer their door. I know these days people are reluctant to do that, but we will have an ICC van with us, so it will be obvious who we are, and we just ask people to answer the door, please. That was Colin Shope speaking with Teresa Kaler and Justice Hobson from the Cradle to Career Initiative at ICC. Kaler says her staff will take data from the survey and put together a community action plan with recommendations for connecting people to resources and other organizations. And that's all for today's episode of All Things Peoria from WCBU, a public service of Bradley University and Illinois State University. I'm your host, Jody Holtz. Thanks for listening today. We had story help today from Tim Shelley and Colin Shope. Holden Kellogg is our producer who makes ATP sound fantastic. You can find all of today's stories at WCBU.org and you can subscribe to the All Things Peoria podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or the NPR app. And we do want to know what you think of the show. Let us know by commenting on our Facebook page. Find us at Peoria Public Radio, or you can give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at WCBU Radio. This is 89.9 FM in WCBU.org, Peoria Public Radio, part of the NPR Network.